Well, good morning. We have a cozy group here this morning, so hopefully everyone had a good flight in either this morning or last night um, here at reInvent. We're excited um, to be here starting your week out with you, so thank you for joining us for this session. Spending less is the new black with Amazon Chime pays you uh, pay-per-use pricing. So we are going to talk a little bit about um, before, sorry, let me at least tell you who I am. So Jenny Tiedema, I am a product manager on Amazon Chime. Um, I have a whole bunch of new names after my title and, and, and a title here as well, but mostly I'm a product manager on Amazon Chime. I've been with the service for about three years, been with AWS for about three years as well. So um, this is my third reInvent and I'm excited to be here today. I also have with me today Ken Fabric, who's gonna come up here in a while and he is one of our customers um, at Connexity and he is gonna talk a little bit about his story and how they've deployed Amazon Chime there at Connexity and um, tell you a little bit about how the pricing model that we deployed in April um, was rolled out at Connexity. So before I dive into, we're not just going to talk about pricing, um, we wanna take a step back first of all and tell you a little bit about what Amazon Chime is, why we built Amazon Chime, um, how we built Amazon Chime, and then how that then leads into this disruptive pricing um, that we were able to deliver to customers in April. And then Ken is gonna hit the important pieces, which is to tell you about how they've actually deployed it at Connexity, and to give you a kind of a real life example of how pay-as-you-go consumption-based pricing can work in practice. And then we'll leave some time at the end uh, for questions. So if there are any questions, um, we'll cover those. So what is Amazon Chime? Amazon Chime is a modern team collaboration and communication service. It's built on AWS. It's easy for you to communicate with people inside and outside your company. Um, you're gonna be using it for voice, video, chat. It's an all-in-one um, collaboration application. And basically, as you can see in this screenshot here, this is a good example of multi-party video, there's the rich roster messaging. And again, that messaging is both inside and outside the app. And it includes content sharing, um, screen share, both, um, again, in meetings, and then also content sharing through your rich messaging as well. <clears throat> um, so online meetings, audio and video conferencing, business chat, user administration. Just a brief summary of what Amazon Chime is. Benefits. Why would we suggest that you use Amazon Chime. It's built by AWS on AWS infrastructure, which means the security and reliability and the architecture that you would expect is all gonna be there. It's easy to deploy and maintain. Your meetings are gonna call you, and um, I'm not gonna take a lot of time on this one because while it's a differentiator that we think a lot of people enjoy, it's one that I'm gonna let Ken talk about because he's got some great stories about um, the call, call me feature. There is the ability to seamlessly switch between devices, and then also the easy access, whether you're on one of the clients, the four clients, iOS, <coughs> Windows, Android, or um, the Mac client, or um, our recently deployed web client as well. And then you've got your global reach because there is the ability to not only use VoIP, but if you need to use PSTN, that's available with over um, toll free, with toll and toll free in dial-ins for over 80 countries. So one of the things that we hear from our customers is that work is really no longer a place. It's not some place you go 
and sit at a desk. It really is a much more fluid thing. Whether you're in a coffee shop, an airport here today, you're gonna to be working the entire time that you're here. And so work is no longer a location that you go to. But meetings are just as critical as they've always been, and employees must have access to all of their work materials on any device across any time zone, wherever they are. And meetings are more than just the audio and video experience. There are all those other pieces that make a meeting um, part of the things that we do. So a meeting, again, work is no longer a place and meetings are no longer just meetings. So frankly, this industry is not a new industry. It's been around for over 20 years. However, we have thought about things <coughs> excuse me, in a slightly different way. And being able to be built on AWS means that we <clears throat> are able to, um, we're able to build the service in a way and think about things in a different way than when it was originally built 20 years ago. And so we're, we're leveraging a lot of those advantages as we go. So when we think about AWS and we think about collaboration work streams. 20 years ago, or when we first started talking to enterprise customers, they were very comfortable moving their data infrastructure over to the cloud. And that was something that we saw with our enterprise customers and they, they were moving large amounts of data. However, there was always this one box or this one server sitting over in the corner. And it's like, well, what about that? That's our collab. Do we wanna move that to the cloud as well? And as we talked to customers, the answer is yes. We do want you to move to the cloud, and we want you to move that to the AWS cloud, and it's based on the priority of eliminating technical debt, providing faster innovation, and reducing risk. And by running in the cloud, you have added agility and reliability. And so unlike the state of the industry where there's a lot of complex infrastructure, we're able to offer a single service to our customers that's actually a combination of 25 microservices. We don't want you to know that as our customer. We want you to see a single unified application, a single unified experience, but we want to leverage those 25 plus microservices in order to deliver that experience to you. And so here you see an example of how we're able to use that trusted AWS platform to pull together that experience for you so that while you have a single experience, we actually are leveraging all the power of AWS to provide that to you. So what does it mean to be built on AWS? You already trust AWS services, and we do too. Those are the services that we are using every day to deliver Amazon Chime to you. We, they provide the same scale, security, and pricing that you expect for the service because that's how we built it. This allows us to offer you team collaboration and at a pricing model that is disruptive and affordable. So these are just a few of the services that allow us to overcome some of the challenges of building a service like Amazon Chime. And that's how do you build real-time voice and video collaboration? How do you build content sharing with controls? How do you have persistent messaging with search? PSTN connectivity. All of these pieces are what we wanted to do as a service, providing Amazon Chime, instead of asking you 
to have to do those individual things for yourself. But these are all the services that we're using at AWS in order to offer Amazon Chime. One of the questions that we get from customers on an ongoing basis is, okay, great, but you're a new service. You've told us about how you're a new service. Does that mean that we can trust you? We've got a lot of users, we've got a lot of data. I don't know how you scale. So this is an example of Amazon.com. Amazon.com started rolling out <clears throat> Amazon Chime when we first launched in February of 2017. So all the way down there in the lower left-hand corner of the slide, you see that we started with just a couple thousand users. And now we are over 300,000, almost 400,000 registered users with Amazon Chime. And the differences in those colors, you see the, excuse me, the registered users, but also the weekly active users, which are almost at 250,000 now. Number of meetings that we handle, getting close to 400,000 meetings, mobile minutes, chat messages, and we recently um, just hit a milestone of over our billionth persistent chat message stored in DynamoDB. So this is one of those slides that helps people. Did you have a question? We were gonna solve, uh, wait for Q&A at the end, if, if that works for you, so. Um, but so this is just to give you an idea of the scale that were um, deployed at Amazon specifically. Another thing that as we think about those benefits that we talked about earlier, it's easy to deploy Amazon Chime. When we think about that deployment that we were just talking about, that nearly 300,000 weekly active users, that's two admins that are de deploying that. And one of the things that allows them to do that is that the basic functionality is actually being used and the pricing model that was uh, rolled out is actually being used to do automatic pricing controls for over 88% of our customers. Meaning that when they set the model up, they don't have to, as Ken will talk about in a little bit more detail, assign licenses to specific people. They can just use our, our automatic pricing controls in order to manage their account. Another thing that we hear from customers, again, since work is no longer a place, they have to be able to seamlessly switch devices. Over 24% of our customers report that they have Amazon Chime um, on more than one device. So they have it on an iPad and also their work computer, or they have it on their iPhone. And so they're using multi multiple devices. Easy meeting um, access with the, our web app. So in April, we did the first deployment of our web app and that was one of the things that customers told us was absolutely necessary for them. While it was great that we had four clients, there were some of their users who absolutely needed to have another way to dial in. And they were talking to clients who they didn't want to have to ask to download. And so over 55% of unauthenticated attendees join using the web application. And this last one again, meetings call you so you're never late. This is actually um, one of the people um, that we work with who said that Amazon Chime has made it easier to meet using voice, text, and video. I think it's improved our efficiency. Since it calls us, we have less people late to meetings. And again, Ken's gonna dive a little deeper on this one because it's one where I think we can spend a little bit more time. So when we built Amazon Chime, we had four design tenants. 
these tenants are all related, and our customers told us that their existing collabor collaboration and communication services had cost drivers which generated expenses that even when the service was not in use, they were still having to put money out. We then decided that we needed to design our service as a pay-as-you-go, consumption-based pricing, and we aligned our business model on those tenants. So to enable this business model, the service had to automatically scale up or down, it, and we had to efficiently leverage AWS resources. End users of the, ex, ex, sorry, end users of the service expected an on-the-go, consistent experience that worked with the bring-your-own-device strategy, and that's what we were able to deliver. So these four design tenants scaling up and down, raising the security bar, and device independence allow us to get to that place where we're able to offer that pay for what you use or consumption-based pricing. So this sweet little guy is um, Hawk. And although he's not my Shih Tzu, I did previously have a Shih Tzu in the past. And um, we promised that he, um, much like Amazon loves dogs, we love our Shih Tzus. So it's kind of a little chime thing there. And the Chime app is a single page built on <clears throat> React. And we wrap the RESTful control APIs with the API gateway. The, it's hosted, the, um, the app is hosted in cloud front, and we push as much of the processing on the edge for common pass from Lambda to the edge. So the WebRTC app, um, the REST API, and then we also operate our own turn and stun fleet to assist in the firewall transversal. The processing of media operates on a differentiated scaling factor that traditional HTTP-based auto-scaling groups we cannot afford to disrupt customers. That is the most important thing for us, is we have to be up 100% of the time. And so we additionally have different challenges on how to drain instances within one fleet. And so the scalability that you see here and this architectural drawing is what allows us to ensure the most important thing to us is to be up 100% of the time. And so the flexibility we achieve from how our ASGs operate enable us to do this with an immutable deployment. Every time we push code, we are also updating our infrastructure. So that deployment process of not only updating our code, but updating our infrastructure allows us to be able to give customers the latest technologies without experiencing downtime. So we're creating fresh instances and doing all of this behind the scenes so that customers are not impacted and we're able to remain up the entire time. The actual website itself is hosted on CloudFront with a backend, with um, backing of an S3 bucket. We ensure that the app is cached on the edge, and this, re and this request from the SPG land on our CloudFront exposed on the API gateway. The use of CloudFront not only accelerates asset delivery, but also API execution. And although our APIs are commonly mutable, one of the largest contributors, 60 to 70% to the application latency, is HTTP connection management and transport layer security, TL, TLS negotiations. By TSL negotiations with the nearest CloudFront POP, we keep our negotiation packet latencies lower, enabling a 60% reduction in overall request latencies. And this is obviously a super important point when you're thinking about latency as it relates to voice. 
And so a lot, again, all of these services that are listed here, CloudFront, um, Route 53, API Gateway, all of this is done behind the scenes. So as the customer, again, you're having a single unified experience, but we are leveraging all of this power, powerful AWS technology and infrastructure in order to deliver, deliver the Chime service. A little bit about the telemetry and the tracking that we're able to offer. So Amazon Pinpoint is used for web telemetry. Um, the business and client metrics are captured using Pinpoint. And again, this is just another example of how we're able to integrate with existing AWS services. So if you're already using Pinpoint, you can use Pinpoint to, do, to track your Chime telemetry as well. The Kinesis logging stream, again, client JavaScript logs are batched and pushed. And so if you're using that technology today and you're familiar with it from AWS, you're able to also use it specifically for Amazon Chime. And so that interdependency of if you're familiar with using AWS services and you've already moved workloads over, again, this is just another example of where you're able to use that um, tracking and telemetry that you've put in place for other AWS services and still use it for Amazon Chime, even though you're actually managing it as a, a single app, not all the underlying services, but that tracking that you're is still available. So all of this, this is a little bit, we spent a, lot, a little time on the what is Amazon Chime, why we built Amazon Chime, and then a deeper dive into the how we built Amazon Chime. And all of that how leads up to this concept of pricing principles. And so one of the things that was important to us was to have no upfront investment. So when it comes to contracts and signing something, we wanted to eliminate all of that. We wanted the model to be truly pay-as-you-go, meaning that you don't have to know ahead of time how many licenses you have to have. You just need to sign up and get started, and that you will only pay for the services that you used. But that isn't enough for most of our customers, because being able to only, being able to pay-as-you-go introduced a risk model. They said, well, how do we know that we're not going to get saddled with a huge bill at the end of the month? And that's why controlling spend with permissions and allowing within the admin console only the people that you want to use certain services to be enabled to use those services still allows you to control that spend. And then how do you do this not just by asking someone to manually set up accounts and have to migrate people from one type of account? You make it automatic. And so you only pay for what you use and you do that automatically. So another question that we get is, okay, that all makes sense, but why did it take you a year to do this? And why did you change the pricing after a year? Well, for those of you who have, who have been at AWS for a while and have been working with us, you know that we really do want to listen to what our customers say. And that one of the things that was important for customers is that they felt like there, there was a shared adoption risk meaning that as they were rolling out the service, they were probably already paying for something today. And so they wanted the ability to try a new service without having to sign on the dotted line first. And so this shared adoption model allows you to get started and enable this service for people without saying, I'm going to adopt this as my solution. So there's an ability to try the service in a scalable and managed way. Also, customers love AWS utility-based pricing. That's something that our customers tell us that they love being able to do, is to only pay for the part of the service that they use. 
And so while that is a, something that's become fairly common for data and infrastructure and storage, it's not yet something that's common in the application space. But it is something that we passionately believe can be consumption-based. Because if your fundamental tenants, again, are aligned on the idea that the services that you're built on are consumption-based, then we can better align our business model with your needs. And that's what we are able to do with the consumption-based pricing. Finally, IT admins wanted to be able to set permissions and then walk away. Ken's gonna spend a little bit of time talking about how this impacts his daily life. Finally, our deployment infrastructure allowed us to pass along the cost savings. The reason we went a little deeper into the infrastructure today and talked a little bit more about the how we built Amazon Chime was this point. We want you to understand that we're in this with our customers. We're not just creating a model that allows us to sell Amazon Chime. We actually are built in a way that our cost drivers are aligned with our business model. And I think it's a key point to spend a little bit of time thinking about this because it really means that we're incentivized in the same ways. So we spent a lot of time leading up to what, Amazon, or what our pricing is. So a lot of the goal of consumption-based pricing was how do we tell our pricing story on a single slide? How can you take a relatively complex set of numbers and put them into a single story and say, okay, so I get all the hows and the whats and the whys, but tell me, what do I have to pay for at the end of the day? So at the end of the day, Amazon Chime Basic is a free offering. That's gonna include all the messaging and the ability to attend meetings. It also inherits the ability to, if somebody schedules a meeting with pro features, a basic user actually as an attendee gets all those same features. So screen share, video, all of the features that um, are available to a pro user are available, are, are inherited, so to speak, by the attendee um, in that meeting. And so when it comes to the pro pricing, that's a $3 per day up to $15 a month. Again, that was that control piece. We heard from customers that while they wanted the ability to control their spend based on usage, they didn't want to get to the end of the month and see that they were saddled with a huge bill. And so that $15 per month cap really does enable an admin to say, okay, the most I would ever pay for this user would be the $15 per month user fee and then any additional dial-in charges. So how does this actually work in practice? So before we have Ken come up and talk through specifically his example, the pricing does vary per month. And this means that like the, the customer who maybe needs to take a one month sabbatical or they're gonna be out, you're not gonna pay for, pay for them for that month. So if they are a person who is frequently hosting daily meetings in that month, if they host five, six, seven days a week, or excuse me, a month, then you'll pay that $3 per day, maxing out at the $15 a month. But what about if you have somebody who really doesn't frequently schedule meetings as part of their job, but they do have that one important meeting every month that they're the organizer for and they want to be able to schedule that meeting. They don't want to have to go to IT every time and ask to be um, to have that capability enabled, but they do want to be able to schedule that one or two sessions a month. 
they can do that. And then again, that bill is just gonna be that $6 per month for those two days when they were an active host. And again, what about if you have that user who just chats and attends meetings? They never need to schedule a meeting. They never need to host a meeting. That person is actually not gonna be charged at all. So the permission for any of these users could be the same. They could all be enabled as pro users, but again, you're, there's three different scenarios here. The permissions were the same. One was a frequent meeting organizer, $15 a month. One was an infrequent user. They ended up hosting two days in the month, $6. And one never ended up hosting meetings. And there's not gonna be a, single, a charge for that user that month. And with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Ken and um, have him come up and join me. You're on. Okay, great. All right, there thank you go. So thank you guys for coming. It's Cyber Monday today, so I'm glad you guys are not sitting up in your hotel rooms shopping for things. It would actually make my company really happy because that's our core functionality is uh, sort of enabling um, connections between buyers and sellers, but it wouldn't make me happy. So I'm glad you're here. And um, I was, um, my, my name's Ken Fabric. As it says, I'm the manager at Connexity, a company I'm sure you guys have all heard of. I'm kidding. I know it's, we're one of those behind the scenes companies. And um, you've probably heard some of our earlier names, our earlier iterations. Uh, when I joined the company, the, we had just left behind the name BizRate, but we still kept that functionality for a long time. BizRate's been around a long time. They did those little end of, uh, as soon as you've completed a purchase online, sent out a survey and followed up with you a few weeks later. Um, that business was with us for a long time. We then became Shopzilla, which was uh, an online, um, anyway, basically a comparison search engine, which was a business we held until just recently. Uh, obviously, there's a big company that starts with G that owns the search market, and um, we lost. So that's all fine. We reiterated, we did something else, and now we're off in a couple other areas that we'll talk about in just a few minutes. Um, I was hired as the Mac guy at, Connect, at Shopzilla, um, now Connexity. I was hired as the Mac guy. I'm still the Mac guy. Um, along the way, I've been there about 12 years. I've picked up probably 40 other um, responsibilities, including, you know, basically, you know, everything involving IT. So we service our internal clients um, for the most part with uh, equipment needs and services. So email, telephones, and of course, collaboration technology, which is why I'm here talking to you today. It works. Awesome. Um, we basically operate as two companies right now, Connexity and Hitwise. They are pretty much separate entities that someday will probably be separated, and I do not know the future of the companies. Connexity um, is basically deals with product listing ads. I put an example on the slide because I actually didn't, wasn't sure exactly what one looked like even though we did it. The, um, you know, these are the ads that you see all over, basically anywhere you go on the internet that tries to get you to click off somewhere and buy something and they follow you around. I'm sorry, we do those. Um, as, and they follow me around too, I'm not exempt. So Hitwise is, uh, deals with uh, competitive market intelligence. We collect information of all kinds of purchases and shopping behavior uh, live and on the internet and feed that information back through various vehicles to online retailers in many different ways. We are, I'd say a medium-sized company, about 340 employees now, five major offices, um, five major offices in, no, I'm sorry, five countries, three continents, 
um, and really importantly, dozens of remote workers. We have uh, engineering teams in Los Angeles and Germany. We have sales teams in Los Angeles, New York, and really everywhere that we have a presence. So we're very much uh, split across many different places, which obviously is going to get into the need for um, the need for uh, good conferencing, a good conferencing service to kind of keep us uh, keep us united. Let's see. Um, we also have along the way picked up and sold a lot of other companies. Um, picked up and sold a lot of other companies then that, you know, some of them have worked and some of them have not. And we've reiterated a lot of times, which the whole, the whole idea of reinventing ourselves every couple of years, every time the market shifts, has just required a lot of communication across teams and across, um, across continents. So it's, it's that, it's that diversity and this need for different types of meetings that, um, you know, that drives our need for Chime. So we've got uh, some people who use this product extensively. We have product managers who run engineering meetings on a daily basis, and they'll have six engineering meetings back to back and are using this, this product, uh, you know, extensively. Um, and then, you know, I have a one-on-one -on -one with my boss who works in San Diego, and we talk, you know, two or three times a week at least. Uh, we have customer service people and salespeople who use this for outsourcing customer training. Um, we have huge uh, all-company meetings that maybe have, you know, 100 to 200 people at a time using the product. I'm going to talk in a little detail about one of those meetings that I was very proud of. I'll tell you a little about that in just a few minutes. Um, basically, uh, all of these items have driven our need for a good conferencing client. So, Obviously, I probably don't need to tell any, tell any of you that there's a lot of players in this space and there's a lot of overlap. And when you're looking at a client, you know, what, what are the driving factors? Um, we basically had a few things that, that um, were very important to us. Uh, one of them is that it's a very full-featured client. It does everything we really imagined a, a client like this should do or a product like this should do without being cluttered and overwhelming to end users. Uh, you know, not everybody is as technical, you know, as we are. We have a lot of salespeople who really just want to sell, and all they can do is, is that's what they do. They sell. They want a real product that's very easy to get into, to start meetings, um, and to communicate out to people. And we found that Chime does that really, really well. Um, find it's easy to use, a very simple, uh, refined user interface. Um, one of the most important things to us is it does get meetings started on time. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little story about that. So we had, when we were about, let's, let's get into the history a little bit. The, you know, I guess about seven, eight years ago, we were, like most people, imagine, we had a, we had a telephone bridge. And um, you know, I think most of our calls were done over the telephone, I assume. I don't even remember back that far, truthfully. We had a few go-to-meeting licenses. So our, our uh, customer service people were basically using GoToMeeting, and everyone else was using the telephone. And then these products started to, to evolve and emerge, and we were like, hey, listen, we're paying all this money for a phone bridge, and it's really not doing much for us. Let's see what we can, let's, see, let's do some investigation, look at some of these products, and see what they could do for us beyond, beyond the telephone. And we looked at pretty much everything to some, one level or another. We had a company come in, um, one of the biggest names, 
and they arranged a sales presentation for us. They came into our main conference room and they brought in, uh, I think, two or three salespeople and they had somebody else who was remote, ready to join the meeting on the remote end. And they sat there and they futzed around and they, whatever, meeting was supposed to start at 11. By 11.15, they got the meeting started. It took their own salespeople 15 minutes to start and get the meeting rolling. And by that time, I was already like, all right, well, yeah, this isn't going to happen. I'll sit through the next half hour, but you know, this is just not going to work. Meetings have to start on time. You know, our engineers and our, uh, our, our product managers have back-to-back -back -back engineering stand-ups, 15-minute slots all morning long. 15 minutes in a meeting, it's just not going to happen. Things have to really start when they're supposed to start. So we were looking for um, what we found with Chime is the, really, is, is the ability to get meetings started really to the minute. So I'll talk a little bit about the, the Call Me feature, which is, uh, you know, I think one of the real differentiators of the product. Um, almost everybody, the, the way Chime, I'll say, installs itself, I, you know, the default settings for Chime is that it starts up when you start up your computer. So I have it running, it's running on every machine that I have, um, which would mean an iPhone, a Mac, a PC, and they pretty much run all the time when you start the machine. They log in automatically and they just sit there in the background. And when a meeting is set up, um, properly, which isn't hard to do, I'll just say that, because you can set it up wrong if you really try hard, but um, if a meeting's set up properly, the meeting actually calls all of the attendees at exactly the time the meeting starts. In fact, I think it's a minute before, right? And um, basically, I, I have to tell you, it really works. We are so used to this feature now of the meetings calling us. If somebody schedules a WebEx with me or something, I am invariably two or three minutes late because uh, it didn't call me, oh, whatever. So I have to go back and figure it out and find the meeting, click on the link. I don't want to install it in Chrome, no. I'm gonna download the thing, I log, press the button, launch the whole thing. Two minutes later, I'm in the meeting, I'm five minutes late to virtually everything that isn't Chime now. So I've gotten very used to it. I'm very spoiled by the feature. It really does work. Um, we initially, when we did start to do this, I, I didn't pick, uh, you know, uh, Chime hadn't even been built yet, really. I did go with another product and um, that we liked. It, it had a very nice user interface as well. I'm not gonna talk too much about it, but what happened after a year, that we were very happy with it for the first year. And um, at the renewal of the contract, literally they came back to us and they tripled the price. And I was like, well, this is a negotiating, you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna hold us to this, right? And, but they were serious. They actually tried to triple the price for us. I think that their, I assume that their thinking was, hey, look, they've put this client on all their machines. They've trained all their employees. They have this all set up. They're not gonna dump us. Well, they're just gonna pay it. Well, they were wrong. The pricing, you know, the money is important to us. And we started looking around for something else. And that, that's kind of how we came to, uh, came to find, find Chime. Um, one of the other things that's very important to us as, or very important to me as an administrator and my team uh, is Active Directory integration. So, uh, you know, again, when an employee starts with our company or ends the company we have, or leaves the company, we have to deal with their accounts and access. And this is really, you know, obviously the ability to use a conferencing client and join company meetings is not a feature that we would want somebody to have after they leave the company. And we really appreciate the ability to control this through an Active Directory account. When we shut off their Active Directory account, basically that's it, they are, they're locked out of time, um, which, which is great. But on the other end, on the onboarding, this is kind of interesting because we, let me see the next slide here, hang on one second. Sorry, I'm usually the guy behind the camera or behind the soundboard, so I'm like a little fish out of water here, so 
Bear with me a second. Oh, no, we're not ready for that yet. Can I go backwards? Yes. So when we started, we were one of those, those out of those 2,000 initial users, we were probably 300, 400 of those, those licenses. So we were with the company from the beginning. And when, when Chime started, it was a much more difficult um, administrative process. We, we, were had, we had to choose in the beginning which group we were going to put people in. There was a plus and there was a pro. And we made two AD groups. And we kind of had to make a determination of who we thought would get what. So the salespeople who had a lot of outward-facing contact, we put in the pro group. The project managers, we put in the pro group. People who we didn't think were going to do a lot of or meeting organizing, we put in the plus group. And we had to kind of sort people and try to keep them straight. This was horrible. It didn't work at all. And um, what, we were forced, what we found is that virtually everybody in the company, at one point or another, seemed to need to schedule a meeting, which was fine. But what it generated was a lot of tickets to us, a lot of requests. We had to move people from one group to another group. And all of a sudden, we were paying $15 a month for everybody when somebody might just be organizing one meeting a month or one meeting as a one-time thing. And that didn't seem fair to us, and it didn't seem fair to uh, the people at AWS either. It was something that we brought up. And it's a good example of, um, you know, AWS is a big company, and we had the fear initially that it might be difficult to, you know, as a, as a larger company, that we wouldn't get a lot of personal service. But, you know, that hasn't been the case. And this is a good example. They really hurt us on this. And um, I'd like to think we were responsible for active host pricing. I don't know if we were solely responsible, but we were somewhat responsible. Because um, we gave that feedback, and um, they really did change things. So now it works so much easier. There's basically one active directory group. We put everybody, drop everybody into that one bucket, and they have whatever access they need, basically. There are, like I said, the project managers are really doing back-to-back -back meetings all day. They might have five or six meetings you know, in a row, you know, that they take up the entire morning basically in one of our, one of our stand-up rooms. Um, and then there's other people, and I'll show you a slide in a little bit, um, who literally in a five-month period arranged one meeting. And they basically, for that, you know, if you look at it over a five-month period, uh, they were charged almost nothing for that. So it's very, very nice to, to have that and to be listened to by Amazon on something kind of so critical for that. Um, I'm really running with this slide. I have a lot to say. I've got two more things, OK? So I want to talk a little bit about how we organized our meeting rooms. And uh, you know, it's, it's nice to stand up here and talk about this. I have to tell you, I, I go home and after, after having done like this, what to me was like an exciting, successful meeting. And I want to tell my wife and family about it. And they're like, this is so boring, Dad. Shush. Go away. So thanks for listening. Hope it's a little more interesting to you guys than it is for my family. Um, when we, we moved into new offices about a uh, little over a year ago, and we were already using Chime at that time, so we had the opportunity to sort of design our rooms around Chime and the way that it works. We had, you know, very, I, I imagine, pretty typical meeting room setups at our, our, at our old office. We had a company come in, and they did all the Crestron and automated screens, and it was all really nice, and um, it broke all the time, and we had to have it fixed. And, People never could figure out how to use it. And I decided that this new office, we're going to make this really, really simple and, we, and, and, and save a fortune, by the way. So we put up 75-inch monitors in each, in each of the conference rooms. And we bought a um, conferencing equipment from Logitech. It was called the Logitech Group Kit with Nook, um, little, little mini you know, Windows machines that fit in the table legs. 
running Windows 10. So they're running native Windows 10. They're running um, you know, Chime automatically. Chime automatically logs in under an account under the room account name, right? So we have a room. Our rooms are, well, they're named kind of silly. We have, they're actually named after company parties that we've had. So we have, what can I tell you? So we have the Edison, which was at the Edison in downtown Los Angeles. So let's talk about the Edison. So Chime in the Edison is logged in under the Edison. So what happens is when you, when you know you're having a meeting in the Edison, you invite the Edison, just like you would like through Outlook or whatever it is, you invite the Edison to your meeting, right? And um, the meeting room accepts, and it also goes out to, to Chime, because you've, you've, you've also invited a little, uh, this happens automatically for the most part, but you invite Chime to the meeting as well. Chime then calls the Edison when this meeting is going to start. So everybody walks in, sits down, and basically the meeting is already up on the screen. Chime is up on the screen. The screen's ringing. There's a button, one button to answer it, and you know the meeting is the meeting started on the big screen. It's there. It's happening. So how do you share information? Well, what, what usually happens in our rooms is that whoever's hosting the meeting also joins the meeting, the same meeting, from their own laptop and shares the screen from their laptop. So they're doing the sharing from their personal computer. They're seeing it on the screen. Um, and all the remote users are, gonna, are going to view it as well. Um, very, very fast, very easy. And like I said, you know, we're at the point where meetings really start on the minute. There's, there's no messing around unless people come from outside. No accounting for it. Oh yeah, one more story. Okay, so this is this is a good one. So I was really proud of this. So they came to me, I think about three weeks ago or a month ago, and said, "All right, we're gonna have we have to have this big. We're having a big company meeting. We do this four times a year for each company. We're gonna have a big company meeting. Here's what we need to do. We're gonna present a deck in Los Angeles to like the whole group, the whole company, which is about half that, which means half the company, half of them are Hitwise, half are Connexity. This was a Connexity meeting. So maybe about 100 people in the room, big screen, um, projector, all's fine, overhead sound system, mixer, kind of the whole thing. See, this is what I mean, my wife doesn't care, so. All right, so, so we're gonna do, we're gonna present a deck from Los Angeles, but we want our offices in Melbourne and Sydney to be, interactive with us. We want them to see us. We want to see them on the big screen as well. We also, and, and one, of the, the product, one of the product managers in Melbourne is going to be talking to a couple of the slides that we're showing from Los Angeles. And the guy, and the, the, the VP, VP, I don't know what his title is, in, um, in London, so it's like whatever, it's, it's late in the, it's early in the morning in Melbourne. It's like 11 at night in London and it's like four in the afternoon, something like that in Los Angeles. And then he's gonna be pitching in, he's gonna be talking about his slides from London at 11 at night in his pajamas, so he's not gonna be visual. It's like, okay, we can do that. And then I started thinking about it, I'm thinking, oh God, how are we gonna really do this? I mean, it sounds really simple, it sounds like, okay, this is exactly what meetings are supposed to be, but we're pitching a deck from Los Angeles, there's three different continents and all these different time zones with different people speaking, everyone's supposed to hear each other and seamlessly transit between, you know, people talking. How are we going to make that happen? And so we're thinking about it. It's like, all right, no, we can do this. We can do this. So here's how we did it. And it went really well. We have, um, you know, we had lavaliers and hand mics in our, in our main conference room. They feed into a mixer, had the little mixer going out into the Nook computer, right? So audio and going out to the overhead sound, which is great. Um, then we had sound from the little, from the Nook going out to the mixer so we can hear other people out to the, up, out to the sound system up in the top. So that worked out great. I had, a, the, the Nook was presenting, was joined to the meeting. 
So anything that was presented was being shown on the big screen up in front. And then I had a computer with the deck on it with a little remote control because all my executives want to do is all they want to do is sit there with, with one of these and click left and right. They don't want to sit there on a computer and they don't want to control things. They just want to go left and right and talk about their slides, right? So I gave them one of these controls. They were controlling my computer, which had the deck on it. My computer was showing the slides to the meeting. Um, the camera was showing the speaker area to the group, and it all kind of worked. When they, were, they pitched it back and forth, Nigel in London joined in for his slides. Um, David in Australia joined in for his slides, and it actually all happened pretty fluidly. Now, okay, yeah, there were a few little, you know, whatever, but for the most part, it was very, very fluid, and I was really proud of pulling that one off, so there you go. That's my, that's my big example. All right, so active host pricing. So we've talked a lot about this. Um, we talked about the administration, you know, what we thought was kind of this inherent unfairness of paying, you know, paying full price for employees who might only use this once or twice. Um, Amazon, I don't really have much more to say about this. The truth is we actually really talked, covered this already. I'm gonna skip to the next ugly slide that we had a lot of conversations about. The marketing department hated this slide. They wanted me to change it. We went back and forth like six times on this. Um, but I argued for this, and there's a reason. You don't have to read every number. Okay. The idea behind this is uh, this was actual data. We, we really didn't, you know, I, I knew kind of what we were paying for Chime on a monthly basis as an aggregate, but I really had no idea um, how active using, active use, act, the active user pricing affected us on a real basis. So we, we dug into some data, and I wanted you to see that this is actual real company data from my company pulled over the course of five months um, the middle of this year. So on the left side, you can kind of see the data that goes into the diagram on the right side. So before we even look at this, I want to just make the point that a full 24% of, um, of our employees aren't represented here at all. They're the 24% that never organized a call, they only attended meetings, um, and they, they basically never, never were an organizer, and they were never charged at all. So full 24% of our employees basically are not represented here, they're not on it, okay? So that aside, the real important thing to see here is the 29% in the upper, upper left of the, the pie chart. That's the 29% that actually paid full price. Those were our project managers and the people who organized a lot of meetings. You know, they, those guys are doing, you know, whatever, seven, eight meetings a day, and um, they're paying the full rate. The rest of that, the 71% of the rest of that chart, are paying on some gradated rate um, between 1440, and this, this, is, this is over an average of five months. So that when you see like 60 cents there, that means they were basically charged $3 one time in the five-month period. So that's why we came out with 60 cents. So basically 71% of this company, um, for 71% of our employees, we were paying some prorated rate, okay, between 1440 and 60 cents for those users. So that represents really quite a, a huge savings. And as far as I know, Chime is the only, um, the only service out there that has this type of gradated pricing. And that, frankly, is about all I have to say. I'm happy to answer questions after. Let's bring Jenny back up to make a few more points. Sure. So um, again, um, thank you for sharing sure. the story. Um, all of us can spew a lot of words and give a lot of data, but 
it always feels more meaningful when we can have a customer come up and actually tell a story about how it does impact their life. And you know, even if your kids aren't interested, we're interested in hearing about it. So it's it's good dinner time conversation for this group. So right. um, I, I know we had a question earlier. Can we take a question now, or if anybody else has a question? Uh, so, so there was a slide with uh, Amazon.com usage. Sure, and happy to flip back if it right is somewhere. It was towards the first half of it. There was a dip. It which was early, early, early. But I'll I'll try and get us there here. Go ahead, though. I was just uh, wondering if you could explain that. We'll get there. Okay. So this the question then is about the Amazon Chime usage. So specifically. There we go. Right. Uh, in the weekly active users? Weekly active users versus registered, is that the question? Uh, so the question is that dip in the weekly active users. Is, did something happen with Chime or? Um, no, I actually think it's seasonality. Um, so when you think about that time at the, um, so at the end of the year, it's actually not during <laughs> necessarily for Amazon's a little bit different because of the retail, but um, there is still a lot of people internally. Um, so it's more the seasonality, okay. um, which again is part of that consumption-based pricing because when those people are not using it, you're not being charged. And so, you know, it's not uncommon in, in some industries for people to take a month off in August or a month off. And so that seasonality um, is just the registered users. So okay. good can question I, though. Can I do another one? Absolutely. Um, so, at our company, the admins usually, you know, set up all the meetings. Yes. And if you are a host, can you have multiple meetings going on at the same time, just between different users, let's say in different conference rooms? Or if you set up a meeting like a 10 to 11, you cannot set up anything that's running between 10 and 11? How does Yeah. How does so, the question work? is about, as a host, can you schedule multiple meetings at the same time? Right. Um, so usually, especially in the case of an admin, that's more handled by the delegate scenario. And so an admin um, who is going to be a single user, let's just call it um, John or Jane Doe at company.com, that delegate can actually be an admin for several different accounts. So CEO at company.com, CFO at company.com. And so there can be multiple, that, that EA um, can schedule for multiple admins and there can be multiple meetings going, but there really isn't the need to use a single profile to schedule multiple meetings. So it would be for each of those people that are hosting or scheduling a meeting, but a, a single delegate um, can have multiple meetings going on, but it would be just an organizer for each of those different meetings. It, does that answer the question? It wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. No, you need multiple accounts. Okay. You can't do back-to-back. -back. We can't do multiple meetings under one account. You'd need, you'd need to either set them up under you can meeting, only have room, one, meeting room names. One stream. So yeah. you don't want multiple. You really don't want one organizer to have multiple meetings going. Again, they could have that delegate experience, mm -hmm. but you'd want it to be the organizer. So happy to talk more about the use case. It sounds like there's okay. something super specific um, that you're okay, trying no, to no, do. No, 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 we, have, we have admin assistants who, who have delegate access to multiple accounts, and they're scheduling on behalf of other people but one account can only do one meeting at a time. So, okay, and, the, yeah. and is Chime only setting up meetings in conference calls or, because I, I saw chat kind of mentioned a few times, but it, it wasn't really gone in like into depth. Is Chime also, you know, once it's set up, are you available to do IM between? Oh, yeah. 
is Chime set up to do IM? Absolutely, so yes. So there, there's persistent um, chat as a standalone loan platform. So um, in addition to being able to set up meetings, it's again gonna be the platform that you can be using for messaging all day. So there's messaging within a meeting, but then there is also persistent chat, including one-to-one um, -one and groups and rooms. So a full featured um, chat client as well. Now, will, will all the time start off We'll start off with chatting with somebody and then say, you know what, I need, I need to see your screen and switch it over right away to a call and, we're right, and then, they can, then they'll share their screen and we'll switch over and I'll be looking at their screen. There's also tools to do remote control. The truth is I don't really use those much because we have different, um, a different client that we use when we want to go into kind of remote functionality. But, um, you know, but going in and having them share their screen so I can see what people are doing is something I have to do all the time. So. Great questions. Um, right in front. Oh, sorry about that. Go ahead. Oh, no worries. Uh, two quick okay. questions. One, can the meetings be recorded for consumption later? And two, uh, you had talked about the, uh, the system calling you if you miss it. How many times does it call you if you don't answer in the first time? Because we have executives that are running late all the time, too. And uh, can you set it up so that if they don't answer, it'll call maybe a second or a third time before it gives up? Sure, two great questions. So the first question, recording, is that a feature and functionality that's available? Yes, um, recordings are actually um, sent then as an MP4 file to your chat. So again, that chat, um, instead of sending it as an email, it's gonna be stored within the client. So all of your recordings are in a single chat thread, which is actually a really convenient way to do it. You don't have to go back through your email threads and try and figure out where those recordings are. It's just gonna be like it's a conversation thread, which would have all of your recordings for any of your meetings. So it's not a separate one. And that's um, where you would find your recordings for your meetings. And then the second question, a little bit more about the, um, the feature of we call you. So again, as Ken mentioned, it's gonna ring all your devices simultaneously. And then you're also gonna get a pop-up that says, if you're not ready to join, you can run late. And you can run late two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, and so that user has the ability to get notified and then say, I'm gonna run late, and then yes, we will call back at that designated time, whether it's two, five, 10, or 15 minutes, which is actually a feature mm. a lot of people, I'm guilty of, of using the running late feature more than once, so. Not me. Oh, I'm, see? I'm there. Um, he, he's the good customer. But you know what it does? It, it's also interesting, because you can ignore it completely, and you still it'll it'll stop bugging you but then when you open up the the client you'll still see the meeting is going on and it's a one click to join it again so it's a you're, you're you have a flag of what's you know you have a flag that meeting kind of shows up for the duration of the meeting that you have that going on it's easy to join it um two two quick questions one for for jenny i think um is on alexa for business i'm curious to know how that is woven into chime or where the plans are and that side, and then for you, Ken, specifically, how did you how did you learn about Chime? Like, were you obviously there's a lot um, of solutions out there. Uh, obviously, maybe because you were uh, well, you are uh, no doubt an AWS customer. Was that the route in for you understanding Chime? No, actually, can, can I tell them? <laughs> no, there was there was a precursor. There was a there was a, another there was another product um, that um, Amazon bought and basically rebranded and rebuilt from the ground up. So we just happened to find this other product. It was based on. Uh, based on just you know, a nice little Excel spreadsheet that I built on features versus functionality versus you know, for every different product. And I kind of liked the package and said, hey, let's give this a try on a trial basis. We did, liked it, and went with that. And then Amazon, AWS bought them and developed it further, rebranded it as Chime. 
Yeah, so Connexity has actually been using the technology for well over five years um, because as Ken said, they had that early precursor product and then um, we were able to like seamlessly move yeah. them over. Yeah. So. Um, so question about Alexa for Business and kind of a little bit about that integration. So last year um, at reInvent, we did announce um, that we do work with Alexa for Business. And so in that meeting room experience, if you were to go into a meeting room at Amazon, um, that's a fully fleshed out experience. You walk in, you say, Alexa, start my meeting. Alexa will join the meeting. Um, the pin can be added. And so there's an in-room integration that um, in our case, it's integrated into the calendar. So it says, would you like to start the meeting for Jenny Tiaitaba? And I say, yes, even though that's not me, I'd like to start Jenny Tiaitama's meeting. <laughs> um, so it's Jenny Tiaitama for, <laughs> for um, anyone who has their name mispronounced by Alexa on an ongoing basis. So, um, but yes, yeah, so that integration is available today. Um, and we're happy to talk more about that. And so customers are able to roll that out with either the dot or the echo in their conference room. Any other questions? All right. Well, thank you, thank guys. you guys. I know it's been a small and intimate session, but um, we'll be here for a couple of minutes afterward. Monica would kill me if I did not tell you that we have Amazon Chime socks for you. They are super cool and cozy. So um, please grab some so that um, you can keep your toesies toasty um, while you um, are spending time in Las Vegas. So again, thank you so much and um, have a wonderful reInvent. Thank you, guys. And remember, it's Cyber Monday, so go shop a little. Okay? <laughs> Keep, keep me in business. Thank you. <laughs>